Good evening, JJ Buckner. What's going on, man? How are you, buddy? I'm good. I uh, feeling 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 good, man. I had yeah. a had a okay day. Um, I had the kids today, second day in a row. So any 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 mom or dad who has been part time stay at home or full time stay at home for a while, they <laughs> kind of understand how the <laughs> past day's been. I'll say this: th- th- during the day, it's usually pretty fine because I have the kids three days a week from sunup to sundown. And whenever I get to like dinner time, that's whenever it's very stressful. That's whenever they're sick and tired of dad. They're mm-hmm. ready to see mom. You know, they've been cooped up inside or I try to keep them busy, but it's been, been one of those days. They're hangry. Hangry. Yes. <laughs> yeah, man. I totally, I totally, totally, I totally understand that. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, other than that though, it's been, it's been good. Got to uh, hit the gym to just kind of get back to my side. I text Lindsay. I was like, I need a break. <laughs> so she's like, she walked through the door. She's like, go to the gym. I'm like, all right, good. So I'm I'm refreshed, good to go, and talking about something that I know you and I, even though it's not very exciting, but a lot of people should know about this. Yeah, I'll give you my update. This is probably the last time we're going to record before I'm back to work. Yikes. How you feel about that? I I can't speak for every teacher. I'm only speaking for myself. By the last two to three weeks of summer, you're ready to go back. Even pre-kids, too. Like, I need that routine. I like, you know, having structure. And I really love teaching. So it's, I'm sure by mid-September, I'll be like, I hate this. <laughs> but, uh... No, I'm pretty pumped. Uh, it's what? What's say? Tuesday? Today's Tuesday. Tomorrow, I'm going out to Portland, Oregon, to complete the old Portland to Portland in two weeks. Uh, my wife and I will be out there till Sunday night. We're home at ten, and I'm I'm at work at I'm at work Monday. But I'll tell you this: That's is kind crazy. of a cool thing about going back to work, which I am kind of excited about. Every year, teachers do before the kids come back. They do like a couple of days. We call them like superintendents' conference days. And generally, they'll have people like come in and or like they'll update us on all the new special ed procedures, like when they change all of our bathrooms to unisex, like we needed to know about that, that they, you know, like every bath, you know, things like that, that we need to know about. They love to boast like, we changed the roof, you know, we, I hope you saw, we paved the teacher's parking lot, like stuff like that. Anyway, uh, this year they're doing um, an opportunity or they're having one full day where teachers from the district can present two other teachers in the district. I think they're calling it like Camp Sio or something like that. And generally it's just student based. So like if you had a certain lesson or something like that, but this year they let us open it. They open it to our interest, everything like an opportunity to get to know us. Like people put weird things on the list, like kayaking down the river. Well, for years I have applied for this for talking about teacher retirement, our retirement system in the district, our 403B, our 457, our pension, things like that. And every year it gets rejected because like I said, it had to be student-based. So this year when I put in for it, I got it and my text blew up like already signed up for your thing. I already signed up because I already, I talked to so many teachers in the district and so many of them are like, Brad, you should do like an after school thing. You should do something with us to talk because we need to know about this. And I'm always like, 
I don't like giving unsolicited advice. Like I really don't. When people come to me, I'll tell them they find out about the platform. I'll tell them my knowledge, but I'm not the guy that walks up to people like you should really be doing this or have you no, no passively managed or actively managed funds for you. You know, I'm not like that. But here, if I could present to people and then people can sign up and I know it's not unsolicited, I really, I'm so pumped to help so many teachers in the district. It's going to be so sick because like I said, the people I talk to is, uh, you know me at work, I keep a really small knit circle. Like None of them have my phone numbers, no friends at work. That's how I operate. But my, my, my retirement system and my pension is so complicated that so many people just avoid it altogether. And I'll tell you this, like one of the things I'm going to be talking to them about is how our pension really isn't going to pay the bills. I mean, our pension is okay. It's fine. I'm probably still in retirement going to make more than the average salary across the country, but still it's uh, with inflation and things like that. It's not a lot. So I really want to drive home that that you can't depend on it. Social Security, who knows? Right now it's saying we're, we yeah. should still have it, but who knows? Yeah, who knows? And, you know, maybe it's going to pay back student loans or whatever. And then, uh, you know, there's... <laughs> <laughs> then there's, um, you know, there's just so many other things like the 403B and the 457 that I want to talk to them about. And, you know, one of the things, you know, I was going to ask you tonight, uh, do you know what our favorite, uh, you know what our most listen to or most downloaded episode is Roth IRA it is yep. and one of the questions I get a lot that I want you to remind me we won't start with it but remind me to talk about Roth options inside the 401k and the 403b because we wanted to redo a Roth episode one because it was our most downloaded episode I think it was like nine it was early and a lot of things have changed and we've gotten a lot of feedback, like, hey, could you talk about this, that, or the other thing? And I don't think in that episode we really touched upon the Roth option that some people have in their 401k, 403b, and 457. So I just want to remind you to remind me if I have a couple good vibes here and I forget what we're talking about. Yeah, no, no worries, dude. I'll, uh, I'll do my best. Now, I, I will start the episode with, I just said that I don't give unsolicited advice, right? <laughs> And we are not financial advisors by any means. We are a bunch of guys on the internet under the influence. Like, please just take it with a grain of salt here. I think if there's anything that you and I really would push somebody up against the wall about, it's to utilize the Roth IRA. Yeah. Uh, in In my years of YouTube, going from Baby Steps Brad in 2016 to now, my opinions on pretty much everything that has to do with money has changed with the exception of the Roth IRA. I still feel as strongly about, there's really two things that I'm, I've been like on the fence. You can't talk about it. Like the Roth IRA and that whole life insurance is a scam. Those are the only two things that since day one of my personal finance career, my opinion on it has not changed at all. I could probably say the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, go ahead. The only thing that really has changed about it, and I think this is true for you, because I know we have a little bit different opinions. I once said, pay off your debts before the Roth. Mm. My opinion is now not that 100%. You're saying you would invest while paying off debt? I think 
yes, I think there's two times we should invest while we're paying off debt, and that's a company match into a 401k, 403b, or 457. Yeah. And your Roth IRA. But we, we can we could talk about the other ones. But yeah, the Roth... Um, let, let me give you some pushback on that real quick, because mm-hmm. I agree with you, and I've all, I think I've always kind of believed that. The only thing that I think would be different for me, or that I would say otherwise, to not invest while paying off debt, is if you're talking like credit card debt or something, like super, super high interest rate. High interest also age is like a kind of big deal for me. Like if you're yeah. a little bit older in age and you're really not going to see the true 20 to 30 year compounding effects of the Roth IRA, I would probably say like, yeah, getting rid if you're in your probably even 40 or above, maybe if you have high interest debt, uh, yeah, that's one position where I'd say paying off high interest debt at your age is probably a little bit more important than the Roth IRA. But that's a super, super fine line and very, very like particular for the person. Absolutely. Yeah, everything is so, like, that's what people got to understand too is like, you know, you can hear Brad and I give our opinions on things and other people on the internet give their opinion on things and other podcasts and the fire movement and all that stuff. But like, you can, like, what I just would, test everyone listening is like try to soak in as much information from different people as possible and then like form your own opinion because like that's kind of what I did I mean I remember starting out in 2014 not knowing you know anything about money really or like investing basically like I was always a good saver but I didn't know much about the Roth IRA or I didn't know what to invest in inside my 401k and that's just started the uh, I started the journey of finding Dave Ramsey of reading blog posts, didn't really listen to podcasts back then because they weren't really popping yet. Um, but mostly blog posts, books every now and then, and then like watching videos on YouTube from what I could find back in 2014. But I just wanted to say with us saying the whole high, uh, high interest rate and stuff like listen, but also like form your own opinion and make sure that works best for you. But but most of the time I'm going to (laughs) say, If you got high interest debt, pay the shit off. It Definitely. sucks. It sucks no, big time. No, it's like they're almost like mile runs. Like when you get done, you're <laughs> yes. no one's ever like, damn it, why did I go on that run? So no true. one no one is ever like, damn it, why did I pay off that 18% credit card debt? Yep. Yep. That's Should we true. start? Let's start super basic, only because I know the people that I know that are listening. Some of them they need super basic. First and foremost, the Roth IRA. Okay. Individual retirement account is something you need to do. It doesn't have to do with your job or anything like that. And it's not an investment. It's a type of account. All right. So you have your checking account, your savings account at the bank. You have a CD that you can open. Then you have your employee sponsored retirement accounts. Those are things like your 401k, 457 and 403b. Those are things you set up at work. Outside of that, individual retirement accounts, you have things like a SEP, maybe a traditional or a Roth. This is a type of account, not an investment. And we'll talk about investments that could go inside that account, but this is something just like going to the bank to open up a savings account or a checking account. You are going to go to a brokerage and you are going to open a Roth IRA and then you are going to make investments in it. So do you, you want to just mention like what brokerages, major brokerages where we like people know Chase Bank, they know Capital One, they know Bank of America. When they're looking to open a Roth IRA, where where are we looking? I'd say probably most popular, like most sought after is companies like Vanguard, Fidelity, Charles Schwab. 
uh, like the big name players like that. Yeah. Those are probably like top three that pop up in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I'm I'm talking to family or something and they're asking about a Roth IRA, I helped my sister-in-law and I helped my brother sign start their Roth IRAs. Both of them started one with Vanguard. That's kind of like the true and tested, you know, place to really invest. Uh, that's where all my retirement accounts are with are with Vanguard. So that's, that's, if people are asking me, that's usually where I'm saying like, you know, Fidelity, Vanguard, Charles Schwab, like you really can't go wrong. It's like Glock or Sig. It doesn't matter. They'll, yeah, they'll get yeah. they'll get the job done. It just depends on which you one have you're your favorite. <laughs> yeah, like I, I own, frankly, I am a Vanguard because that's like the first one I learned about when I started reading books like The Simple Path Same. to Wealth, Same. and like that. That's just where Vanguard just came up more, which is how what led me there. So, eligibility. Here's one of the great pros of this eligibility. When you have an employee sponsored, you have to have a job that offers it. The there is requirements, right? Because with a brokerage account, like if you want to invest in Apple, you got to be 18. Okay. But this is not the case for the Roth IRA. The Roth IRA allows you to invest literally at any age. The only requirement is that you have to have taxable income. You need I tell my students because they don't know what that means. That means working on the books. That means that your job is taking out taxes. And you can do this at any age and open up the Roth IRA. Now, not not to like dive too deep, and this could probably could be a completely different episode, but like say you have a child that works for your business, right? Like my daughter paper shreds for a couple dollars an hour, helps me pick out thumbnails, tells me if I if I need to shave. She's like my little uh she helps me clean up and tendy to the office. I pay her out of the business. She has earned income that She's under the standard deduction, so that's all tax-free for her. I write it off and get the tax deduction. She's going to put that into her Roth IRA, and it is going to grow from age three years old and on. You do not need to have a job. You not do not need to have an employee-sponsored account, and you don't need to be eighteen, which is probably one of the pros and one of the biggest things misconceptions. Not misconceptions are things that people don't know. If you are sixteen years old and you're working in the pizzeria on the books, or if you're working at Ralph Italian Ices, or you're lifeguarding, or you're a camp counselor, and you make two thousand dollars over the summer, you can turn around and throw two hundred fifty bucks, four hundred bucks, five hundred bucks, and start your Roth IRA today. And if you're 16, listen to the Average Money podcast. <laughs> Props to you, my butt. I probably like, I'll give it to him. I'll give it to him as a bonus on the test. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question from the podcast yesterday on the test tomorrow. So you, you better go. listen, and you better listen good. Boom! I love it. Yeah, no, that's that's huge. Like the fact that you can, like you mentioned, get started under 18 is a big ordeal because as we've talked about on this podcast before and. If you're in the finance space, you've heard this plenty of times, but compound interest is on your side and it works the best when you start the earliest. The earlier you get started, the more compound interest can work for you and grow your money even more. And I think at the end of the episode, we'll talk about how we invest in ours and give a couple yeah. examples because it is different. But what are some of the other big pros for you? Like explain, you want to explain the tax implications of this? Yeah, so I mean, to keep it, really short and sweet and in layman's terms, basically how this works is when you put money into your Roth IRA, your Roth IRA is an account, right? So you're putting it into 
like Brad said, uh, it's like a checking account, except it's an investment account. So that money goes in. And when you put your 200, 300, 400 bucks into your Roth IRA, that money sits in what's known as a settlement fund. So once you put the money in the Roth IRA, you're not technically invested yet. You have contributed to your Roth IRA, but you have not officially invested the money that's inside the Roth IRA. See, the Roth IRA is a vehicle. It's not necessarily an investment. So it's very, very important to understand when you put money and you go and open up your Roth IRA. Let's say you listen to this episode and you've never heard of the Roth IRA before. And you go to Vanguard and you open up your Roth and you you know contribute your 200 bucks and you think that you're, you're finished, you're done, or you're not. You have to invest the money in something. And like Brad said, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But the cool part about this is, is first I need to explain how taxes work with investments. So if you take $1,000 and you go buy you know, uh, an, an index fund, an ETF, or a stock. Let's, for example purposes, let's just say you go buy $1,000 in Apple. That's a very popular, well-known company. So when you go buy $1,000 in Apple and you own Apple for, let's say, two years, and Apple goes up, you know, let's say a certain percentage, 10%, you know, whatever. So now let's say you made $10 on your investment. Let's say 100 bucks on your investment. So now on your investment account that you bought Apple with for $1,000, you made $100. So now you have $1,100 sitting in that account. What gets taxed on that whenever you would sell your, your you know, uh, realize your gains. Basically, whenever you would sell and take that profit, so you took the profit, that $100 is what gets taxed. You don't get taxed on the 1000 I get that question a lot. That's why I wanted to kind of break that down and explain that. A lot of people think that once you put money in and invest it, that you're paying taxes again on the money you put in. That's not true. You only pay taxes on the money that you have made. So that $100 you made from Apple, that's what gets taxed. So now that I think we have that understanding said, with a Roth IRA, it works a little different. And this is probably one of the main reasons why Brad and I love this so much is because let's let's use that same example. You go put a thousand bucks into your Roth IRA you just opened. You buy Apple and Apple makes you a hundred dollars and then you sell it and you never use it again. I wouldn't recommend that, but for example purposes. The cool part about a Roth is you don't get taxed on that $100. So think about that for a second. Think about you made your 100 bucks over a year or two, but think about what happens over a span of 20 or 30 years and you are continuously putting money in every single week, month, year, whatever, however you invest your money into your Roth. That is the power of the Roth IRA because as we all know, compound interest, and you've all seen the compound interest calculator. If you put a, you know, $500 every single month for 20 years at an 8% return, you're going to have $1.2 million in your account, whatever it comes out to. The amazing part about that is with the Roth IRA, when you turn 59 and a half, and there's so many tangents I can go with this, but yeah, yeah. so with a Roth IRA, it's, it is a retirement account. So you have, you can't pull, you can't pull the money made out unless you want to pay taxes and a penalty. We don't recommend that. You can pull the contributions out, but- we'll Yeah, your growth your growth is yes. stuck to your 59 and a half. Your contributions, the money you put in is not, but yes. continue. Yeah, continue. 
So basically what I'm getting at is, is the power of the Roth IRAs. When you go to pull that money out at 59 and a half and you want to start living on that on retirement, you don't have to pay any taxes on that money. Now, one other point I did forget to mention is the money that goes into the Roth IRA that is taxed money. So the money you're putting in there is taxed. So like money you receive in your direct deposit from your from your job after that's been taxed, that's the money you put in to a Roth IRA where versus like a 401k or a, a traditional IRA, that money goes in pre-tax. So that money goes into the accounts before your employer takes the taxes out or before if you own a business, before you have to pay your taxes on that amount of money. Yeah, and you are literally earning tax-free money. And, and like, so for some people who are listening that may just have stumbled upon this episode and aren't as familiar with how taxes work and how investing works and all that stuff, like, just listen to us. That is powerful. Yes. That is a powerful vehicle because usually whenever you're investing and, you know, let's say you have some massive capital gains, meaning you have some massive growth, you know, let's say you invested a thousand bucks and then it, it, it 10x turned into 10 grand. Well, you owe taxes on $9,000. Yeah. If that does that in your Roth IRA over a span of 20, 30 years, you don't owe any taxes on it. That's free money. And if you make dividends, that's tax free. If you are advanced and trade options in your Roth IRA, the premiums you collect, tax free. Tax free. free. And the, some like that is the greatest thing ever. And it's even better, though. It gets even better. And like, I didn't realize this until I was married and had kids. I didn't, I didn't realize in your 401k, at a certain point, you have to start taking money out of it. You can't let it sit and grow forever. Yeah, isn't it called RMDs or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it's a minimum uh, required distribution. Yeah. Yes. In a Roth, that is not true, which, well, okay, you're saying we want to grow this account and we're never going to want to touch it? Yes, because it has some legacy benefits that other accounts don't have. Here is something that's very, very important to me. And I almost treat my Roth as kind of like part of my life insurance policy, if you will. Because if you are married and you die, you can take your entire Roth IRA and give it to your spouse and they absorb it like theirs and it continues to grow for them tax-free just like it was theirs. So if I die, Tara's Roth IRA is going to be just wiped out. It's going to be just doubled. It's going to be fantastic. With your kids, it's not as sweet, right? They are going to get that money tax-free, but there will be um, minimum distributions over time that are going to have to go to your kids. But the, it's it stays tax-free even upon your death, which is really, really awesome. It's, yeah, it's I right. mean, the legacy part of that too is it's honestly something I don't really think about that often. Yeah. But when you bring it up like that, like that is a pretty amazing you know, benefit to the Roth IRA because as we've stated before, you never know what's going to happen. It's nice to have my personal brokerage account. Like she tires my beneficiary, but she's going to have to close that account and take capital gains on that. Right. And you got to pay taxes on that. Yeah. Yep. You know, so I mean that, and like I said, we're not tax experts, but like right. that to me just was another major, major pro. You, you like to sum up the pros, you don't have to be 
and an employee-sponsored thing. You don't have to be 18 like a brokerage. You are not going to have minimum random uh, required distributions. You could take your contributions out later. So if you're contributing over time and then you need some of that money back, you could take some of that money back and we'll talk about the caveats to that. It passes on to your kids, everything in its tax-free, dividends, capital gains. Uh, you can borrow against it. You can invest in real estate like, and you can grow your real estate portfolio tax-free inside a Roth if you have a very special one. Like, These are all amazing things that just, that's why it really makes it important to me to know to have everybody know but there are cons or at least cons that people tell me and one of those cons is the reason why I sometimes say you should probably start investing even if you have a little bit of debt and especially if you're young and I think that's the fact that you can only contribute a certain amount of money per year into it. Not a pro for me, but some people are like, oh, it's only $6,000. It's only $5,500. I'm like, okay, well then it should be easy to achieve. Or some people are like, $6,000? How am I going to save and invest $6,000 per year? I hear so many people say to me like, oh, that's $6,000 is so much like, like I mentioned with my daughter, put 250 bucks in. You yeah. work at the pizzeria, put a hundred. You don't need to max it. It took me four years to like con- construct a strategy to be able to max mine, which we'll talk about later. But yeah, it's, it, it does have uh, a time. Like So once 2021 is over, you know, you can't put money in for 2021's year. So it's time sensitive, and with and it, it goes up over time. I think when it started, it was like four thousand. Now it's up to six. You know, like these, th- it will continue to change. It was supposed to hopefully go up last year, but it didn't. So maybe the next year it will for twenty twenty three. But real quick, quick something yeah. I want to add there. So yeah. you mentioned that you know the the limit is six thousand uh, to any of our older than us listeners. Um, there is what's called a catch up, I believe for the Roth IRA contributions. There is. So my dad is actually taking advantage of this. Um, I recently got him to open up his Roth and he is doing the catch up amount. So what that means, if you are 50 and older, you can add, you get an extra thousand dollars to your contribution limits. So instead of being the $6,000 max, it now becomes $7,000 is what you can max out your Roth IRA at if you're 50 or older. Yeah. No, that's absolutely correct. And besides that, like a little bit of a con, the only other con that I hear is that they also have an income limit. Correct. So you can only make up until a certain amount of money until they phase you out. So the amount goes down from 5,000, 4,000, and then you get to a certain income where you are no longer eligible to take advantage of your Roth IRA. Everything you've done before that income, like say you're building up your income over time and then you reach that income limit, it kind of just freezes it and you can't put in anything else. There are legal ways around that. It's called most commonly the backdoor Roth and it's kind of like a visual thing, shameless plug, 
search Brad Finn backdoor Roth on YouTube. I did a very, very good video about it with visuals and everything. If you think or have heard that you're at over the income limit and you can't contribute, then definitely check that video out because you can do that not only uh, the backdoor Roth, but also the Roth conversion ladder, which is how you go from the 401k, 403b, and 457 employee-sponsored accounts. You can also roll those in as well as contributions and conversions. So there's definitely that to to take into consideration yeah you go step by step right when you show the backdoor roth in that video i remember that one Um, because i'm personally over the income limit so i do the backdoor roth i i and now with other options maybe what this is i do before we get to how we do it yeah do you have any um other things that i miss like pros and cons well, first, I wanted to say what the actual co- the income limits oh, I'm were sorry. for 2022. Yeah. I'm sorry. So if you file your taxes single, uh, the range for the tw- 2022 uh, income range for, you know, you, you can't technically invest in your Roth is 129000 to 144000 So if you invest, or I'm sorry, if you make over 129 to 144 now I don't necessarily understand how the range works. Do you, I don't know if you know how that works or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it, well, how they calculate it, you mean? Well, like if you make 130, like you fall in the middle of 129, 144. I don't know how. So that there's works. a there is a calculation that you take the amount over that, and it's literally like it's like line A, line B, oh, subtract okay, A okay. from B, subtract, and then it tells you how much it lowers it by. Yeah. So it's it depends literally to the dollar. As you go up, I think it's like maybe like $50 ranges. Okay. So they give you that full range of the whole thing. But yeah, it phases out by dollar amount. Like, And mine, when I was phased out two years ago, was something like random. Like my, I was allowed to contribute like $2,784. Like it was like mm. that specific. Okay. And then if you're married filing jointly, it's 204000 to 214000 Yeah. So. Awesome. Oh, one yeah. thing I did want to add before we get into ours. Okay. This also is individual social security number based. So if you have a spouse, yes, you have point. to you have to open one and your wife has to open one. So my we're just mirrored. I started mine a little bit before my wife's, but uh yeah. So that that's also something true. Like I have one. Make sure your spouse has one too. Yeah. So if you're a family, yeah. you know, now your max becomes twelve thousand mm-hmm. dollars that you can invest in your Roths. You just have to have two separate accounts. Yes. And I will so. say, just because it's quick, and then we'll get into ours. Um, back to that, like, should you do this in your 401k, 403b, 457? I personally don't. I like tax deferment. Um, but essentially, the pro is this, is like that con- that contribution limit's 19.5. So you can essentially, if you have a 401k or a 457, 450, 403b, you can almost put 19.5 more tax-free and have that act as a Roth. I've heard like people say, do the Roth now because taxes are going to go up. Taxes are most likely going to go up a little, but it's not about what the tax brackets are doing. It's about what your tax bracket is. And when you retire, you can strategize a way to pay a much lower tax bracket than mine or that's happening right now. So don't like fall immediately into that. Uh, taxes are going to be more. So I should Roth. It's a personal decision. You could do 50-50, you could do whatever you want, but all I'm saying is that don't only go for the Roth in your 403B because you think taxes are going to be higher. You're going to get smart, and later you're going to pay no taxes, so it's it's definitely probably going to be lower than what you're doing now, or like I said, take the amazing tax deferment. Yeah, yeah, it's 
if I had the option of like doing a Roth 401k, uh, I would probably, I don't know what I would do, man. It's, it's good. <laughs> yeah, Cause it's like the it, other benefit, like with doing a, like a traditional 401k is you get a little bit of tax, um, you know, uh, benefit from having your income being lowered. So it may put you in a lower tax bracket currently. Right. But again, that's. Yeah. Like for me to tax defer 19,500 for my wife and I, that's deferring almost $40,000 in taxes right now. And I know that essentially it's like if you're in the 25% bracket, it's a quarter for every dollar of that. So you could take, so that's $4,000 right there that I save in taxes that I know one day my tax bracket is going to be so low because I'm going to be living off of dividends and things that are taxed more efficiently. It's not going to matter. And if you don't live in New York too, you know, like yes. your taxes would be much lower as well. So yeah, I mean, there's it's all about what works for you. Um, so yeah, just take that with what you will. But so yeah, I mean, so we're getting before. So before we get into you and I and how we do it, Brad and I, I would say, are a little different than the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, Brad, you're over the contribution or you're over the income limits. So am I, but I'm also self-employed. So there's a couple other factors at play for me, which I will talk about. But before we get into that, I just want to say this. The typical way to do it, if you're check all the boxes of under the income limits, you know, you meet, you can max out your Roth, whatever it is, is just simply go to Vanguard open a Roth IRA. It's step-by-step on the website. If you're not technically inclined or don't feel comfortable doing it, call up Vanguard and they will walk you through the process. I have a video on that as well. <laughs> there you go. Search Brad Finn Roth IRA video. Yep. Um, open your Roth IRA. Start funding your Roth IRA. You can link your checking account to the Roth IRA account inside Vanguard. Once you start, you can automatically have the money taken out every single month. Oh, that's for something we forgot to mention lump sum versus month to month. Well, we'll talk about what we do. We'll talk about what we do. Yep. So um, open your account, hook, uh, link it to your checking account, have it automatically go into your account every single month or once a year, whatever you want to do, and then have that automatically purchase an investment. And then we'll get into what we invest in inside our Roths. Right on. Before we do that, though, I do want to say that this episode is sponsored by our Patreon members, uh, the people that are supporting us every single month inside the Discord. Guys, we get asked all the time, like, how can you support us? We're we're a very small podcast, so we're not really uh, making that much money. (laughs) So, you know, and we also don't have a ton of downloads, so we can't make these big brand deals like we could on YouTube. So I just want to thank you guys and JJ, thank you as well. Also too, guys, if you want, we just started a, you know, a way to connect with us and set up a call, whether it's coaching or when you want to run some ideas by us, we'll have that link down in the description below for not only the Patreon, but also for that link to join up with us and, you know, get on a call with us, both of us, or maybe you hate my guts. You can just request to talk to JJ, <laughs> whatever you want. But like I said, I definitely want to acknowledge uh, both of you guys, both, both the Patreons and the people that might want to reach out to us and have a, you know, a little conversation. So now Jay, let's talk about exactly how we do it. Cause we do have different paths, things we have to remember to talk about dollar cost averaging versus lump sum. But no, we, we definitely go about it in a little bit different way. So first, I'll say this. Were you able to max yours out the first year that you opened yours? Yes. Okay. See, I was, I was not. And I wanted to say to people, you have 
one thing we didn't mention before was the calendar year, right? Ends on New Year's Eve, but tax day is April 15th. So you have the ability to contribute up until tax day, up until when you file your taxes. So if it's like, say you're listening to this episode right now and it's February 2nd, 2023, you can still contribute for 2022 if you have not filed your taxes yet. And I think even if you did, you can file an extension on that. So that's something to be said. Like I did not max mine that first year or up until when you max it, just put as much as you can in, just get as much as you can in there. It's not tied up to your 59 and a half. That's a myth. Remember just the growth of your investments is tied up until your 59 and a half. You put a thousand dollars in there in May and you need it in August. You can go in and take that out and just the gains and everything will stay in there until your 59 and a half. So just start small and just say to yourself, like, I'm going to put $5 a month in. I'm going to put $10 a month in. I'm going to, whatever you can do, work yourself up to the point where, you know, that 550, I think is the monthly contribution now to hit it, that you can work your way and get to a position where you have $5,500 or $550 every month that you can put in. But you, you were, you were golden. You were able to jump right into it. I I think so. It was a long, a long time ago, but I'm pretty sure I've, I've, I used to be like a dollar cost average guy. So okay. I remember, I think it was, I think it's 500 bucks for six grand for the year. Now let's, we can knock that dollar cost averaging versus lump sum. Like when you were doing that, it, did you have the money to pay more than five or was like that 5,000 a month? Was that like what you could do like could you have just lump summed it in on the first of the year or did you always have to or slash want to spread it out throughout the year so when i first started i would say that i know i probably had the cash in like my savings account but it was one of those things where i didn't want to like drop it by six grand you know because i was that was a lot to me back then right Uh, which is it's still a lot now but uh it was a lot more to me back then so I, i felt more comfortable just doing the 500 bucks every month you know, Lindsay and I could both cash flow it out of our, you know, out of our paychecks. We never had to tap into savings for it. So it was something that was, it worked well for us. Um, but then as time went on, when I could have easily lump summed it at the beginning of the year, I guess I just always got accustomed to just seeing that $500 going in every single month. And it kind of, I got comfortable with it. Uh, so I just always, I just never changed it. Um, okay. until, you know, maybe a year ago, I am always going to be a lump sum. Like my goal was to pay it off. It took me three years to max it. So my goal was in those first two years, get as much in as you can. And then in that third year, I tried to get it done as fast as I could. And I think by that year I got it done like early December. And then the next year I got it done in March and then the next year, which was last year, I was able to just get it in on the first of the month. And like that only because I won, I just like it was a game to me because on Vanguard shows you the percentages that you have to max it. And I was like, mm. <laughs> but it's also something checked off your list. Right. It's And I also am a firm believer in lump sum investing when you can. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you want to go on like how we do this now? Cause like I, well, I mean, you don't, well, we could start with like how I'll tell you this just cause we were just talking about the contributions right now. 
I pay mine on the first of the year, but I have an M1 account that I put $250 in every single week to into my investment that's in my Roth IRA to grow it for next year. So essentially, I'm dollar cost averaging right now mm, for okay. my lump sum investment next year. I'm, I'm one year ahead now. Hang on. So your M1 finance account is like a taxable brokerage, and then you pull the six grand out of that to go put it into... Yes. Okay. I got it. So right now, I'm essentially getting the same as if my money was in the Roth, but I'm just going to get taxed on it if there's gains. So why not just keep that money in there and take another six grand out of your savings and put it in the Roth? What do you mean? Like, why wouldn't you keep the money in your taxable brokerage account and then just pull six grand from like your savings? That way you don't have to sell off any investments. If I, if I am financially able to do that, that's what I'll do. Oh, I got you. Okay. Yeah. Like okay. this is just a safeguard because I don't know where cool. I'll be. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like if I came into 12 grand right. in December, um, yeah, I'm not going to sell off those investments. I'm oh, gonna I, use, get, yeah. I get it. Okay. I okay. just don't know. I'm just trying to like budget out through the year and I just know that if I at least do this, $250 sure. a week, that's going to cover my wife and I if I have no money at the end of the year. Cool. Which probably was not going to be the case. Yeah. But like, so I'm still doing this through the back door. Mm-hmm. You you no longer are using your Roth. And that's different than a year ago, right? Like this is your first year you didn't do your Roth. Yeah. So 2021, I did not invest in my Roth. And that was for a couple reasons. One, because my income for 2021 was uh, very elevated and not the norm. Um, I also am self-employed. So I have what's known as a SEP IRA, which is a tax deferred account. And um, there is, again, this is going to get a little over my head tax wise, but this was with discussing with my CPA. This was best determined for me and him, you know, in the conference room. He gave me the list of la da da and I decided not to invest in the Roth with the back door. Um, basically because my income was so elevated in 2021 that it didn't really make sense to pay the taxes now on it. And I also had to worry about my SEP IRA. And I also didn't get as big of a tax benefit in my traditional IRA because I got the benefit in the SEP. Very, very... It was messy. Complicated and just something I can't really explain on a podcast because honestly, I would need my CPA help to help me explain it. But <laughs> but I'll tell you, that, no, I, I can clarify it a little bit. I should be doing what you're doing because I have a small business as well. Right. Essentially, by having the SEP, it A, has a much higher contribution limit Way above the six thousand in the Roth, depending what depending what you pay yourself. Well, yeah, so I was going to get to that. Okay, um, and it also allows you to deduct income, right? It is tax deferred. So as JJ was mentioning, like if your company makes a hundred thousand dollars, right, you pay yourself as an employee, and then you collect distributions. One, you collect a salary from the business, and then you collect your contributions. You can only put into your SEP a percentage of what you pay yourself in salary. So there's kind of like a catch 22 there. Do you want to pay yourself a high salary so that you can contribute to your SEP? Or do you want to pay yourself a low salary and have things not taxed as much? And that's like a fine line that I'm at right now. But we're seeing with these companies with very, very high margins, little overhead, you know, they're having a ton of net income. And one of the best ways to avoid that huge tax burden right now is 
to put it into your, your essentially a SEP IRA is essentially like your Roth IRA. I mean, your 401k or 457 for yourself. Yeah, correct. And then also too, um, the way my business is structured, if there's any business owners that are out there listening to this right now, they're like, oh, this kind of applies to me is I have my business set up as an S corp in order to pay myself a salary because I am an I'm technically an employee of my company. And, um, so with that, I was a, and, and, and your distributions get taxed at a smaller amount than your just, you know, typical income. But with that, I saved like five figures in taxes. Yeah. By setting up my account that way and then also doing my, you know, SEPs and all that stuff, you know, how that's done. So it, that right there in a law, I mean, that's more than what my contribution limits, is, you know, way, <laughs> a lot more. And then people don't want to pay $250 for a CPA. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, yes. It's, if you have more than one source of income, you should no longer be doing your stuff on TurboTax anymore. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, my CPA is well worth the money. Well oh, worth the yeah. money. Oh, my guy, Matt, shout out to MRB Accounting. He is dope. <laughs> he, he not sponsored. But yeah, and so I wanted to say, like, I should be doing that. Like I'm almost shooting myself in the foot a little bit by still doing the Roth. And these are good problems to have. Like if you can't do the Roth, that means like things are good. Yeah. But now do you invest into your SEP the same way you would invest in your, in your Roth? Uh, so now I'm, I'm, I would, I'm a lump sum guy. Uh, you know, I, I have the money. I, like I said earlier, I kind of like checking it off the list so I don't have to, I don't have to worry about it type deal. Right. Um, so that's, that's been nice to like know that that's already done for the year. And also though, so we're at, a, we're at a weird point for 2022. Lindsay and I are kind of, we, I've done the math and I expect us to be over the limits for the Roth IRA. Right. Um, but we could very well be just shy of it and be under, and then we could have invested in the Roth um, which after we find that out, I could go back and change stuff. It makes things a little more complicated since I already contributed to all of my retirement accounts for 2022. And honestly, I'd probably just leave it. I probably wouldn't even mess with it. Um, but depending on what happens in 2023, see, this is the problem with being self-employed as, as well as what Lindsay does. Like she does contract work. Like it's not like she has a salary. So we have no idea what the hell are your salaries going to look like for 2023. So that's complicates things a lot. Um, but it's just one of those things. You just take it year by year. I'll hopefully be able to see what I'll can expect to earn from multiple businesses and get an idea if I think we're going to be over that limit. And if we won't, then I may wait till, you know, the end. Usually what I would have to do is wait till the that year is over. Right. And then like you mentioned earlier, you get till April 15th to still contribute for the foul, the previous year. Yeah. That's probably what I would do once I found out what my actual true income is after my CPA gets all of our documents and stuff and says you've made X amount of dollars for 2022, then I could say, okay, now I'm going to invest the money in my Roth since I know I'm under that limit or not. Uh, it's just weird being in that that spot and also not knowing where you're going to be because we don't have salaries. You know what I mean? So Yeah, and that's kind of what happened with me and why you're like, oh, Brad, you say you should be doing it. Why aren't you? Because I did the backdoor Roth on the first day of the year because I was <laughs> yeah, so right. I was so slap happy before I 
it's like not worth my time to go in and take them out of my wife's, take them out of mine, yeah, pay the yeah. penalties on the tag. Like it's just not worth doing it for me. So like next year, that's going to be something that I evaluate in yeah. 2023. Holy cow, 2023. But I'm, when I said like uh, invest the same, uh, do you, will you talk like actual investments? Like what are you, when, when you're opening the Roth, now we have to put investments inside that Roth. Since you went from the Roth to the SEP, has that stayed pretty linear and pretty much the same investments or are they a little bit different? So a little different. Um, my Roths. So when I first started my wife's, hers was in a few more like dividend stocks type investments. Okay. Since then I have changed her investments to be probably 90, 98% in what's known as our favorite ETF VTI. Right or VTSAX, whatever, whichever route you go. Um, and then her only single company she owns because it's just her like favorite thing and it's just, like a fun thing to invest in is uh, Starbucks. Okay. So she owns a decent amount of Starbucks in her Roth. Um, and then in my Roth is 100% in VTI. I also have a traditional that's 100% VTSAX. And then my SEP is a little different. Um, I think my SEP is probably around... 75% VTI, hmm, maybe a little lower than that. And then I have Google and SoFi that make up the other investments, most being very heavy in Google. And that will change over time. Yeah. Um, Nothing set in stone. Right. You know, like it will change over time. Uh, right now, that's just kind of where I feel comfortable. SoFi is a very small position in there, just a you know, disclaimer. Um, it's not like I have a lot of money in SoFi on my set, but it is something that I'm kind of using for like a growth type deal if, if, if SoFi ever picks up. Um, so that's kind of where I'm sitting at. There is Google, SoFi, and um, mostly in VTI for the SEP. Yeah, I'm 100%, my wife and I, 100% VTSAX and VTI, yeah. which are well, the same thing essentially. One's a mutual fund, one's ETF. And I will say, people ask me this now as ETFs are becoming more popular. Like, for me, the only pro that I see in VTSAX is that in Vanguard, you, there's no fractional shares right now, which is ridiculous to me. Part of the reason why I like Fidelity, or I'm starting to like Fidelity more. Um, but in VTSAX, you were allowed to buy fractional shares. So if you were dollar cost averaging into VTSAX throughout the year, you'd want to go with the mutual fund VTSAX. Where I didn't know that. Yes. Where in Vanguard, you can't buy $500 of VTI every month. You have to go in manually and buy the amount of shares that that $500 will buy. So great point. I want to piggyback off that. You do have to have a minimum investment to open up or to start investing in VTSAX. I believe it's $3,000. That is also true. Yes. Totally forgot about that, which is also another reason just to go with VTI maybe. But yeah, like say you're going to dollar cost average, you you really would probably want a dollar cost average into VTI. And then if you wanted to do the automatic investing, that's really the only pro I see is the automatic mm -hmm. investments. Then you'd have to sell VTI, no tax event there because it's in your Roth, and then buy 3000 of VTSAX. But once you have the 3000 minimum met, then you could put in a dollar. It doesn't matter. It's just like a minimum to entry. I guess when they thought it was like- I'll be damn. I didn't know that. Like a fancy little- Yeah, that's that's how you can- That's the only way you could do fractional shares right now. On, huh. Yeah, that and drip. But 
Yeah. It's crazy. Didn't know that. Now you know. Yep. Uh, that's and I mean, moving forward, that's kind of. I I'm just I'm a little bit older than you, so like VTSAX is just fine for me, and yeah. VTI is just fine for me. I also went with VTI this year because maybe one day I'll want to get saucy and trade options inside there. But that's Ooh. a that's a horse of a completely different color. Oh, I forgot to mention that I do trade options in my sup. You do? Yep. Google and SoFi. You're just writing calls. Uh, yes. Awesome. Uh, I'm also cash good puts. Awesome. I have I have some cash sitting in the set that I use that for. Yeah, because not all options are dangerous and scammy and, you know. We got a course on it. <laughs> we do. We didn't just make it because we were losers. We made it because people want to learn. That's right. If we're shameless plugging too, I got a book back there on the wheel. There you go. <laughs> Pick it up on Amazon. That actually comes with the course, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. You get that for free if you get yeah, the course. Yeah, the ebook. Yeah. I forgot that I, I, I forgot that I sprinkled that sauce on top you of the did. steak. You did. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, guys. I mean, it's, there's just so many pros and nothing's set in stone. And maybe you want to just put in a hundred bucks and then you find out we're idiots. Cause I'm sure there's somebody out there that hates on it, but I will say a book that is amazing on just the power of the Roth is the simple path to wealth, not sponsored JL Collins, simple path to wealth. It will change your whole outlook on the, just what investing a small amount of money into the Roth area every single month will do for not only you, but your spouse and your kids and everything like that. And one day I'll have to go to the SEP because God willing, I'll make a lot of money as an entrepreneur, but it's going to be sad to put, it's going to be sad to let my good old Roth IRA go. But by then who knows, maybe I'll be Roth in my employee. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And that's actually to piggyback off that too, The Simple Path to Wealth is one of the few books I've read from front to back. Yeah, that's a good one. So. All right, man. Anything else you want to add? Next time we talk, I, we're going to be back to school. It'll be after Labor Day. Are, do we release on Labor Day? Yeah, we'll have a Monday episode on Labor Day. Okay. Or we just let it go the Tuesday. But I got to on, be honest with me here for a second. And if you guys are watching on YouTube no, and made I'm it not, this no, long. No, I'm not drunk. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. Um. How big does my freaking forehead look, dude? Like, I feel like this camera just, like, makes this damn thing. Or, like, am I balding? Or what's going on? I'm looking at my camera. I'm like, Jesus Christ, that's some damn real estate on this thing, bro. You got a little bit of a five head. (laughs) Look at that thing. It's not a forehead. It's a five head. Holy shit. I knew you. I saw you wearing a lot of bandanas recently. Dude, no, seriously, I'm just looking at this. I'm like, my God, dude, that thing is huge. At least you're not at the age where every single time you get a haircut, you hope it comes back. Uh, well, my hair is thinning. Because I'm getting I'm getting these like 40-year-old, I guess. Yeah. But that's okay. It's all experience. Yeah, it comes with it's, it. Our wives like, will love us forever, won't they? It's like, a, it's like aging. So. Yeah, no, yeah, they, they have to. <laughs> they know how smart we are with money. <laughs> The longer they stay, the harder it's going to be for them to get a sugar daddy. Yeah, baby. We're going to be their sugar daddies. That's right, dude. That's right. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thanks once again to our Patreons uh, who are over in the Discord community. Some people are coming back now that the the podcast is back now for a couple weeks, episode 112. We look forward to talking with ourselves, but knowing that you're there listening next time. All right, guys, we, we gotta go. (laughs) Good night.